and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan, Josh. Hello, hello, hello. And Marcelo. Hello, everyone. And that is it for today. So you get the three of us. Today we're going to be talking about working from home and our thoughts on whether or not it's here to stay. This is something that started as a necessity during the COVID pandemic. And now employees, for one reason or another, are wanting to work from home significantly more. So we'll get more into that in just a second. Our announcements. Uh, Remember, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter and you can find us on TikTok. We don't do a whole lot other than post previews there, but we've actually uh, had a few views there. So that's pretty nice. Uh, Josh, what do we got next? What do we got next is again, we are achieving it here live at noon central on Facebook and YouTube. So we have done it again. We will hopefully be a tad bit more consistent. You know, holiday schedules and traveling may throw that up in the air once or twice, but throughout um, when the semester is not going on in Ryan and I's world isn't on fire, we can actually live like normal human beings. So of course, you know, we're always trying to get here live noon central, at least an episode per week out here on YouTube, on Facebook. You also will see them uploaded on our Spotify. And as always, we're going to keep plugging the fact that you can get our merch which is basically the logo you kind of see behind us right now on Redbubble, you know, on all types of things. And lastly, we'll give it off to Marcelo to talk more about our fantastic music. Yes, so I feel like every time I listen to that song, I like it even more. Thank you so much. Uh, it's courtesy of Andrew Hensley over at Secret Spike Studio 865 Audio. And now he's got a new single already out called Misty, and it's available now on all major streaming platforms. Be sure to check it out. If you want easy access to that, when you go on any of the like bios about us, on any of our socials. We've got that drop down for all of our stuff. I have featured the link to his song. So check it out if you like lo-fi or jazz music. Definitely great study music. I know that's what got me through finals. <laughs> uh, Josh, is your world done being on fire for the time being? Um, no, I'm actually going to finish editing a paper uh, after this and send it out for <laughs> review at the Southeast Colloquium. All right. Well, good luck on that. Marcelo, uh, you have the most relevant things. Unfortunately, being the working man he is, Austin got promoted. How dare he be successful, uh, but he is also working about 50 hours a week along with that promotion, so he's been pretty wiped out. So, unfortunately, we won't have that weighing in today, but Marcelo, uh, you have had quite a bit of relevant experience working both as a professional and remotely as I understand it. Yeah, um, and I, I think it's, we can get into it later, but I think it's sort of like interesting how Austin's not here to talk about his work experience, but the fact that he's not here because of work also might, might come into play in a bit. Of it's a busy season, and maybe y'all's world is not on fire anymore, but mine always is. So, you know, it's just the nature of the job. So I guess we can go through the current situation and sort of like see how work has impacted each of us individually. For me, I started the job, this job that I have right now in May, right after graduating from grad school. So all of my experience in this job has been remote, save for a few days here and there. We have a office right now that it's physical. And so I have seen my coworkers in, you know, in happy hours and and, in real time and set some situations. But I would say like 95% of my time is in front of the same computer and these screens. This has been my work experience and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So were you hired with the understanding you'll be working remote or did that just kind of happen because you were hired around the time that COVID was in full swing? Well, I was hired with the expectation that there was a chance that we were going to stay home 
I think with these things, because they change so quickly, um, they were not going to say like, yeah, we're going to always be home or always going to like, we're not, we're going to come back in in person by July or, or whatever. Remember those like a couple of months in the summer that we thought things were going to get back to normal. And then they, they didn't. It was, it's very depressing now because I'm throwing back to something that was not that long ago, but I was hired with the assumption that I would be remote, but with the possible expectation that I would go back in person eventually. And that mattered a lot to me because if they had told me, I mean, not that I was going to refuse the job because it wasn't a really nice offer, but if they had told me, you know, it's forever remote always, and you're never going to see any of us in person, that would have been really bad because personally, I really like the in-person component of this of this position. It's basically what keeps me going. Uh, Josh, what has your experience been? I know you and I are both in the education sector, and I know you mentioned before that you had done more IT work. Have you had more experience in the like blue-collar or white-collar sector? I would say, I mean, in terms of, of total working years, um, still most of my uh, work experience has been on on-site IT uh, work, you know, fix software, fix computers, replace parts, um, don't know how to code, don't know how to build things at a factory, but I can repair them once they're out of the factory. And all of that was, was in person. And there's a lot of tools for a lot of the stuff that could be done remote. But earnestly, there's some parts of the job of where you do need to go in and, you know, look at the physical hardware to properly diagnose a problem. I know at some larger corporations, that's just not a concern of theirs. If something breaks, they'll just replace it because at the scales they're operating at, it, it, it does actually come down to be cheaper that way sometimes of why bother wasting you know, several hours of one of your technicians time, which could easily amount to the price of the, you know, system you're working on, depending on how well of a job you have versus just buying the new system and redeploying it, you know, and you're also every time a system's down, you're losing productivity time of another employee. So not only is the IT person working on it, but someone else is unable to do their job. So it's a fine balance there. I will say in terms of being in the education system, there's definitely and, it, and I guess it would be different even from a faculty perspective, but as a graduate student, like with our cohort, we basically didn't interact that much except when we went out, you know, you know, to a place, you know, there's a local place that was great outside seating that we all like to go to. And so we, we would go there as a group. But for my first year there, we had no office interaction with, you know, each other and barely got to know each other. We saw each other in class over Zoom and then maybe once every other week for a couple hours to hang out. And that's a radically different experience than coming into the office and seeing them every day, which is what we've been able to do this semester. Or, well, for those of us that come into the office. But for me, the coworker experience, I'm going to have to like agree with Marcelo there. It makes a lot of what makes worth worthwhile. Like it's not just about the thing at the end of the day. I have fortunately uh, last year, I was not an instructor of record on any classes. I was just grading stuff. So I didn't have to teach a Zoom class. And I taught an in-person class this semester. And the, the fear of teaching a Zoom class next semester is bright in my mind because I've heard it from a lot of my fellow graduate students and from a lot of faculty and from the academic community kind of writ large. None of us like teaching to Zoom boxes of black screens because it's really demoralizing at time because you can't feel the energy of the class or know if they're doing all right. You can't check in with them and connect to them like you would like to. So probably the first time I've um, heard a student say, fortunately, I've only been grading instead of teaching a class as an instructor of record. Yeah. I mean, I would much rather be grading someone else's black box experience than having to do it myself. I couldn't, I mean, just up there for an hour talking because you're not doing in classroom activities. So you are, you know, less 
lecturing for an hour to basically no one and then saying goodbye. And you don't, you miss those after and before the class conversations that you have with students and students miss out on them too. So in terms of academia as a workplace, while there are certain jobs that can obviously be, you know, done remote, I do think we miss out on a lot of what makes our jobs worthwhile when we don't get to spend time with our coworkers. Uh, for me, I have actually never worked a white collar office job other than I guess you can count university time. But like when I was working full time, mine have all been blue collar. So I've done a lot of construction. I've done a lot of, done a lot of renovations, uh, lots of painting, lots of carpentry, lots of drywall. The brutal stuff in the summer, like roofing outside, <laughs> imagine my complexion, uh, in Tennessee heat, not great. Uh, I, I would say that for me, the jobs that I've worked haven't had the option to work remotely. It's kind of hard to build a house or, you know, remodel someone's house from a distance. So it, it, just to give everyone kind of some idea on where we're at, I'll say worldwide, this is a Gallup poll. I don't really, I, I know that they're usually pretty good about getting their just general feel for things. But what they found is that 45% of full-time employees working partly or fully remote in September, you got nine in 10 remote workers want to maintain remote work to some degree. You've got the same number, um, anticipate keeping remote hours for the rest of the year and beyond. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that they only surveyed people who are working in jobs similar to what Josh has done um, or Marcelo, not people who work blue collar jobs because you know you, you can't work remote and you wouldn't want to keep working remote because the option there is kind of being laid off. But uh, So there's a very big draw to working remotely. And I kind of wanted to get into today why that is. Like what have people taken away from the pandemic and what have they liked and what have they disliked about working remote? And Marcelo, I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, just speaking from your personal experience, what you've enjoyed and maybe what's been difficult for you. I honestly like it a lot more than I thought I would. I feel like I tend to be pessimistic when it comes to these things. And I was like, oh man, I can't believe I'm going to sit at my computer all day and have time to make lunch and, you know, get the chance to just go take a walk outside. And, you know, all of these things that I didn't expect that would happen, I was like, super bummed about staying here. But now that I'm here, and even the idea of like going back to work in person was like floating around. I really like the flexibility, you know, like, because I, I'm in a very privileged position. I have a, I live in Virginia, in Virginia, but I have a, a job, an office in DC. And it's like a 30 minute metro ride, probably less. Um, so the commute's not bad. And I don't even have to do it. We only go like we went there on Thursday to, to the DC office. And for what for like a two hour in person meeting, and like my boss brought cookies. And I was like, this is this is awesome. This is great. It's like I didn't I don't I don't need to be there all day. I don't need to be there the whole day. I don't need to be there every day. And so the times where I go, I go there for like a very specific reason. And that I feel like definitely not the hot take, definitely not a hot take, but flexibility is nice. It's good to be able to choose what feels more, most comfortable for you. And I know if I was in other fields, like I think if, if, I was, if I was still in education, I would love to go more frequently in person. But right now the rhythm that I have going on is fine. It's like I show up in the office once every week, every two weeks, and then the rest of the day I'm just here. Like, it, like this is this is nice uh, for me at least. Rolling out of bed, turning over, freshening up my face, you know, fixing my hair, but not having to worry about getting dressed, dressed to go teach class was really nice. I know that that's probably true for people as they hit the workforce as well. You don't have the commute. I think, like you just mentioned, Marcelo. I, I guess for me, I go back and forth on whether or not I enjoy being in person because I, from like you mentioned, Marcelo, for the education standpoint, I like teaching and taking classes in person. I like that human interaction. Well, now in December, it was seven degrees when I woke up this morning and I don't like having to drive to class to get 
get there. So, you know, and sometimes you'll be in class and then it's snowing. Like we got you know, probably an inch and a half, two inches of snow last night. And, you know, you get the hazards and just the, I'm just like, ah, why am I out in this weather? <laughs> so then I liked Zoom. But, you know, when it was nice outside, I really enjoyed uh, being able to, to see people in person. And I think another thing that's, it, it can be detrimental um, it's kind of this double-edged sword that we've got going here is because you are so easily accessible, there's kind of this expectation to be always on call. Josh, I don't know how that was for you when you worked with IT and stuff for Marcelo with your current job. Did you guys get away from that or is it pretty, do you have to set personal boundaries? Like what, what is that like? I mean, I think the struggle for academia is always going to be to set personal boundaries because even before the work from home or in that, you know, it's learning not to respond to the student email that comes in at 10 o'clock at night. And it's honestly why. So I have, on top of all the other things I have in my syllabus, I have um, three course rules, uh, which, uh, you know, one is that we're all going to be kind and understanding adults. And number two is that we're going to respect everyone's time. And that means I'm going to be faithful in my efforts to have grades and feedback to you all in a reasonable time that's useful to you all so you can better your future assignments. But that also comes with you all not emailing me at 11 o'clock at night and expecting me to respond because that's not respecting my time. And so there is that you have to find ways to do and create boundaries in the job. In the wondrous nature of IT, you you know, I did a, I was a uh, hourly uh, worker. Our managers were on salary. But if the stuff broke in the middle of the night and people had to come work in the morning, well, go fix, <laughs> go fix things in the middle of the night or get in, you know, early off in the morning, have it ready for everyone. Um, and that's just the life of, you know, maintenance and being kind of a, a service department inside of a larger institution of where IT is not a revenue generating section of your company. It enables your revenue and generating services. So you are kind of a service department for them. So you can end up having to have, you know, you know, when the power would go out uh, and everyone, you know, would go home because there was no more work to do, IT had to sit around and make sure everything turned back on right. So there always is that, you know, mix and bounds of it. I do think boundary setting is something that every academic has to learn throughout their life to not have that balance. Because I do think, and Marcel might be able to like agree with me here with like a job that's mostly reading and writing, there's always more work you, that you can do. There's always another article you can read. There's always another thing you can take notes on. There's always another meeting you can prep for. And so I think a balance, you have to learn to find that there too. One key difference that I find and like, and this is, you know, between some of the jobs that I've been practicing and, and other things that, that my friends do is that my work is so measured by output, like, you know, like get this document out, get this press release out, get this whatever out. And it's so measured by like, you know, the, the constant flow of like media and information and everything that it's like when, when Josh mentions, you know, like even before the pandemic, we were like in a situation where we probably should be careful of how much we work. That's how I feel right now, because it's like, what came first, like the chicken or the egg, like were we already overworking and, you know, under like all of this pressure before or did that pandemic allow for remote work to overpower all of our lives? Because honestly, like even before, like I remember my first job out of college, it wasn't that long ago either. I remember feeling like super happy after like a week where I work like basically 12 hour days and I would like get home at like 9, at 9 p.m. every day and be like, oh man, I surely I did what I was supposed to do. And it was an internship and it was unpaid, right? So it's even worse. But now, like now I stay up to like, you know, 
8, 9 p.m. some days. And it's basically the same thing. The only difference is that I'm not doing it over there. I'm doing it over here. And I can probably go to sleep five minutes after I turn off my computer. So I feel like most of the things that I try to like blame the pandemic on and like remote work is like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so, so stressed out. I can't something can work. I was doing work before this call and I'm probably going to do work after this call in some way. So like, and it's a weekend, right? We're supposed to, you know, chill. And it's like Christmas is next week. So, you know, the, the holidays are coming up, and, and but yet we're still working so much. I feel like this was already a problem before. <laughs> to me, I feel like uh, even if, if the pandemic had never happened, I would have been going to the office on the weekends and being like, I am such a good worker. Like, I love my job. And then just keep working and working and working, which really, you know, it's not really the point. Nobody ever said, I wish I would have worked more. I would hesitate to blame either the pandemic or technology for our any uh, discontent that we have with our current working situations. That's not to say that they don't cause friction, and it's not to say that the pandemic hasn't taken a toll on all of us, because it has. So I'll acknowledge that. But I want to move past that then and say, I really think that it depends on what the individual person is dealing with. Because something that working from home through the pandemic highlighted was that it gave people a lot more autonomy, and it really helped people who didn't fit into the nine to five go to work schedule, because there's people who work better as night owls. If they can work from 9 p.m. till 2 a.m. and that's their natural state and that's when they're most productive, they weren't pigeonholed into working during a time when the business was open. So there was a strength there that was highlighted when they were crippled when they were working in the office before then. So I think that there's strengths and weaknesses and I think that it's really the pandemic or the use of technology that highlights those and can cripple people to an extent. But also I think it highlights that there are some people who were kind of suppressed in their productivity and their natural states before for the pandemic, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we just didn't notice it, like you mentioned, Marcelo, until we were forced to try something different, like completely different. I think more options are better, for sure. And, and again, the, this this is my ongoing cold take, that it's like people like to have options and people like flexibility. But people who work from home, like I know many people, and again, privileged enough to be in a situation and a position where I know people like this, and this is sort of my, my environment, everyone's like sort of pretty happy. Like nobody's like, oh, I wish I could, you know, like you said, Ryan, like I wish I could wake up at 6 a.m. and take the metro full of people and like pay $10 for my coffee in front of my office. Like, I wish I could do that. Nobody is like, you know, at least almost nobody is, is like just really trying to get back to that. Everyone can see that this has been a, a blessing in disguise for, for many people who are privileged enough to be in this position to transition to working from home. And that's been, you know, like I'm much happier sometimes like taking a break in the for all intents and purposes this is a joke i do not actually do this uh but taking a break in the middle of the day and then just work until like seven you know like it's it's a lot easier to segment my day in two in two big chunks and then just you know take an hour or two to make a really nice lunch and you know watch a movie or something like that and then just keep working later when i know I'm, i have the like the mind space to do that well i'm sure josh can relate to this like one of the one of the few perks to being in academia as an instructor or even as a grad student instructor is we get much more freedom even before the pandemic like i know that when i was at murray as a grad student as long as i taught my classes at the times they were supposed to be taught and as long as i had everything turned in at that department i was not micromanaged to you need to be here nine to five like i'd leave in the middle of the day and go get coffee with people or like i'd go home and watch a movie like marcel at all intents and purposes is a joke but like <laughs> i didn't have time to go home and just you know watch a movie but like you can go and you can take these breaks and i think that now that that's almost been opened up into the business sector and i feel like we're at an interesting crossroads here because corporations have two choices they either force everyone to come back and from all available data i think it'll be kicking and screaming uh, or they they take the advantage of the system was broken and we have now had 
to fix it by giving people these options. And if we carry that through, there is the potential to kind of tap into this new sector where people can work remotely, which means I can get a qualified person who doesn't live in my area. It means that I can say this person is more productive at these times. I give them that autonomy. And there's drawbacks too. Like, you know, if an employee isn't in the office, they might be watching Netflix while their computer's clocked in. Like, I'm not going to say that there's not downsides for the productive side, but I, I feel like we're at an interesting crossroads and we can kind of pick and choose. What do we think is most beneficial to our employees? I think one of the main, and I, and Ryan, I will agree with all you about the not being micromanaged in academia. To me, it's one of the best things about my job is, um, especially this past semester where I taught an 8, 8 a.m. So got, you know, first thing of the day, get done teaching. And then I would have classes at like one o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock um, in the evening. And what I did between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. was my own decision, you know, was up to me. It was technically my office hours, but if I wanted to get up and go stroll around campus for 30 minutes during that, no one cares. Like, it's not even that it's going to be like, it's not even going to be noticed. Like, they're not checking in. They're not worried as long as your paperwork's coming in and all the stuff's there. They will uh, let you do that. And, and so the the freedom of, acad- of the academy, I think, is a draw for a lot of people who enjoy the job and especially, and, you know, and they like teaching at the collegiate level. I think one of the other massive benefits the work from home, you know, highlights is a little bit twofold. One is getting rid of the commute. And there are like tons of different benefits we can, you know, throw in there. But I think one of the main one is just, even as Marcel, you pointed out, a 30 minute metro ride. Well, you do that five times a week there and back. Well, that's five hours of your week gone. And for a lot of people, you know, they do have 30, 40 minutes commute. So sometimes an extra hour, sometimes an extra two hours a day, they have to do what they want to, to pursue their interests, their friends, their family, and spend that time in a way they choose, not, you know, on interstate gridlock waiting for their exit to get to their office. But that makes, a, you know, an extra hour or two every day is a pretty it's significant, like quality of life improvement for a lot of people just by be, being able to work from home. And I will say the other kind of hopeful benefit of working from home is that it will in some part help revigorate some rural parts of our country because if you can go get your fancy $150,000, $200,000 software engineer job, but you don't have to live in Silicon Valley, California or somewhere in that value, and you can go live at a very low cost of living area, you then make your income worth a lot more and you're able to maybe own land instead of having to rent an apartment for $3,000 a month in California. So I think that provides people a lot more freedom and that option of where you want to live because uh, an idea of, you know, I like this area because of the history and the culture and, and, you know, the style of town it is. And so I want to live here. And then the knowledge, then I can find a job working remote, but still keep living there is a great deal of freedom to people and allows them to pick, have a lot more autonomy, not only just over their work, but how their lives go. Because if they want to stay in their small town, but still go work at Facebook and Google and do great big things, then this new technology and this new mindset about working will enable them to do that. And I think that can be really beneficial in the long run that people don't have to necessarily move away to go find good work. They bring the good work to their hometown. I've got an interesting direction I think I'd like to take us to in addition. We've kind of talked about like the mechanism and like what has this done. I study organizational communication. And so I'm very interested in like what is the workplace culture like? And so we've talked about like the individual 
toll that it's taken on people. We've talked a little bit about the productivity. I'm also curious what the new workplace culture looks like and is going to look like. What is that future going to look like? Because there's a few things that I've learned through some of my studies. So Walther is a huge name in the comm sector when it comes to like computer mediated communication. So like that would be for those who don't know something like this, where it's through a channel and you've got those that are uh, less rich, such as a phone call or a text or an email. And you've got those that are richer, which would be things like video chat, right? Because I get all of those social cues. What we know from this research is that online relationships can take longer to develop. Like typically they take longer for several reasons, but the get to know you phase winds up taking a little bit longer. It Friendships and even close work associations that might not quite be friendships, those also tend to take longer when they're online than they are in person. And one of the main reasons for that is because depending on the job, you wind up removing a lot of the social interactions. We've talked about in the past, Josh, how like debate tournaments, when they went online, you no longer get to socialize after you're around. Like that's how you and I became friends. It's like we went at each other's throats in the tournament and then we went out afterwards and we got, you know, we went and got coffee while we waited for the judges to turn in the ballots. Same is true for the office because you had a physical location where people could get together. Maybe you had like, you know, literally or figuratively the water cooler where people got to share gossip and, and learn about the inner workings of the organization in a more informal setting. We're kind of losing that to an extent, unless we deliberately set something up separately. So like, I think a lot of workplaces have set up like a designated hangout spot, um, which can be more like individual chat rooms. Like we've seen that at tournaments. Um, I've heard a few at organizations. I don't quite know what those look like. Marcelo, do you have anything that lets you like socialize with people either set up times to go hang out with them in person or maybe even just completely virtually since you do work virtually? Uh, they're called uh, a company sponsor happy hours. That's <laughs> pretty nice. much. I mean, it, so yes, absolutely. And this is something that you just mentioned that Josh mentioned a little bit ago that it's like, to me, it's the little things like, obviously I care about talking, like being in a meeting with someone in person because the conversation is much, much better. Like you can feel the difference. Like even this week, I was like, this meeting with this person would have been totally different if we were like in two screens, but we're in person, we, we can talk and we can, it's just better. Like to me, there's no no comparison, it's straight up better. But it's also the little things, you know, like in, in a case of, you know, when I was in school, like leaving the classroom with someone and then being like, hey, you know, I really, you know, where do you get those shoes? And then we just start talking. Or like, like oh, I hate that professor. And it's like, yeah, Ryan sucks. Like it's like, that's like something like that. Or, um, now like, grabbing lunch with coworkers, like I have really fun memories of grabbing lunch and just eating and just talking with people for like hours. And that that kind of missed that, you know, I don't want to get too doom around this, but like that is one of the biggest things that I miss from being forced, quote unquote, being forced to go to the office is that it, because we're given the choice now, many people are not either as privileged as me or don't have as much time as I do. And they can just choose to stay home because it's like, I don't really care to go to work. I have like a wife, I have two kids. Like, why would I commute two hours to go to the office when I can just stay home and, you know, finish my backyard project? You know, like, so, so I understand, I get it. But I miss meeting those people because right now, most of the people who I end up meeting in person are young professionals like me who have the ability and have like that need to go back. Most people who already are in deep in their careers, they're like happy to just take a step back, which is fine it's just i miss that a lot too we don't have to i guess to your, to your question we don't have many of those online spaces but we do have some in-person spaces where we can talk i think one of the things that you mentioned there that i think is key for those relationships to develop is the if it's going to be technologically based i think it has to be more one-on-one -on -one or maybe two or three people because i know that when you go
go into a Zoom room, everybody's just quiet. Or you've got like the outgoing person who just tr- just talks to maybe a single person, or maybe you've got a person who's just trying to facilitate conversation. But when you think about how social settings actually work, I break off with the people I want to talk to. And even though we're all in the same room, there's multiple conversations taking place. And I might hear something over on over here and be like, oh, what, what are they talking about? And like, I might drift over there and come back and forth. You can't do that unless you've got the Zoom room. So like, even if I can go between hangout rooms or, you know, virtual sponsored corporate happy hours, what, whatever your organization provides, that's why it's so difficult. And it takes longer. It can still happen. It's just not quite as natural. And it really needs to be a lot more conscious. And I know as someone like myself, who tends to be a bit more introverted, just the thought of having to go and socialize with people can be exhausting. Now, when I go and I do it, I have a great time and I, and I don't regret going most of the time. But when I'm no. online, there's so much more effort that has to be there that like I just... I. I, I naturally, I feel like I've withdrawn into myself even more. I don't know, Josh, what you're. I want to. I, I want to push push on that a little bit. Not push us and as in against, but like push you to answer this. Do you think it's more effort because you have to like make yourself go, or you think it's more effort because it's so easy to not go? Because I feel that way sometimes too. Because it's like you know, I could just not click this button, don't join this meeting, <laughs> and then I'm free. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't have to. I think it's the last one, and I also think that like there's lower expectations for me to be places. Because like when I got here my first year, there was a really strong grad student culture, of, and we were all really close, super tight. We hung out all the time. And then COVID hit my second year. And there's a massive jump between what was the culture of the people who were there the first year and those the second year. Because like nobody's putting forth the effort to put together digital hangouts. So like there's actually not as close of a bond with the second group that came in after me. For me personally, to answer your, Mar- your question, Marcelo, it's just easier for me not to go. Because if I have to get in the car, then it's almost like a snowball. I've just propelled myself and I, here I go. Like I'm going to be there. And then I get to see people and then I'm like, okay, great. But like when I'm sitting there, I also feel like the reward is not there for me. So then I don't want to go because when I go in person, I enjoy the social interactions. If it's just like a giant Zoom room, I'm just a wallflower and I don't feel like I get anything out of it. It's the superfluous conversations. I You don't, to my knowledge, I, I, I don't think we really get a lot of deep, meaningful conversations through Zoom in a group setting. Like you put 20 people in a room, don't think that's going to happen. You have to fraction down, can't do that. So for me, the one thing that was beneficial there was smaller controlled environments within the larger chasm and i can't get that so that stops me from going to i think it's both of those for me i do think even with zoom even with full audio video connection you're still operating in a very channel reduced mode and so some of those social cues that definitely aren't there in just text based only it's still hard to know so say you know you're in a more manageable group of you know five to seven people in a zoom call you will find it harder to figure out hey when am i supposed to well, when am i supposed to say something in this conversation you know am i talking too much am i not talking you know am i not participating in the conversation that's a lot harder harder to read um, on Zoom, at least for me personally, because you you know, you're going on those like back and forth and you're not sure how a conversation because you just don't feel the conversation in the same way as you might as if you're there in person to conduct that. Another thing, random one-off or stacking encounters that like are what are the building blocks of a relationship. So like when I worked at, you know, in IT and we would have a particularly silly request come in. Okay, you know, it, 
then it was, you know, the three of us in the office, you know, laughing about it, making, you know, sp- you know, jokes about it, cracking on it, you know, before one of us would hop out of our chairs and go march down there, you know, and get it taken care of. Those chances for the group culture to develop don't happen in the same way because it's not like you're going to sit in a, you know, Zoom call for eight hours a day with all of your coworkers. That's not what work with from, from means. That means work from your email inbox. Um, so it walks that like line of it's accessible, but there's definitely some aspects of it lost. And that's why I think, you know, people need to do something with it or they need to have some way of realizing that benefits because there are, I'm sure for some people they're working from home and so they no longer have to commute, but they don't really have a friend group, family, hobbies to focus on with that extra hour of the day. So it might end up being not as, you know, enriching to them to have that more time versus to go to the office and have those, you know, past conversations, you know, in the hallway um, or, you know, just the one-off encounters, you know, that occur throughout life. So there's going to be that loss. And I th- I mean, and I even get what you're saying around about the difference of the cohort, because, you know, we're not required to come in and hold physical office hours per se, because a lot of, and I'm not going to name name here, because I actually, I'm actually going to give a giant per se here. I know a lot of my fellow TAs have been uh, holding uh, office hours via Zoom, and that's how they fulfill their con- contractual requirement for uh, 10 hours a week of office hours, as they just say, available by appointment you know, during these, you know, time frames on Zoom. And so they never would come into the TA office. And so there's only like five or six of us out of like the 30 of us that would come into the office. And we had, and while friend groups, you know, split off and people, you know, had like clicks of friend groups inside of the cohort that developed into like one of its own of us who, you know, come into the office and still, you know, sit and you know, for a lot of the times, it would just be like four of us. You know, I'm there Monday through Thursday, and you know, these people are here on Monday and Wednesday, and these people are here on Tuesday and Wednesday. And no one's in there on Friday because <laughs> uh, we're gonna have many Friday classes at USM. So there's, there's actually an interesting thing that I I studied this last semester, and this is gonna be my time to nerd out, which is looking at the fracturing down of a group into subgroups, and that naturally happens based off of perceived similarity. So like we all have debate in common. So like there's that natural base for friendship and interaction and the tendency for us to continue to interact with each other. And then you've got, it can happen based off of race. It can happen based off of sex. Just like subconsciously, we tend to gravitate towards people who are most like us. And then you can look at what are the sustainable things. What I'm interested in in, in, and what the literature is starting to shift towards now is we've got another subgroup like you just mentioned, Josh, which is face-to-face versus Zoom. It can happen in organizations. It can happen in classes. But what's going to happen and who am I most likely to reach out to? Where are my friendships going to go when part of the people that I work with are in person, part are online. Like if I, if, if you and if us three are constantly hanging out on Zoom, we have that in common. Maybe we're the three amigos that just never go into the office and everybody else does. So we've got our own little subgroup there. On the other side, the other group might be thinking, well, those three idiots never come into the office. So like we hate them, you know? So like, I, I'm very curious to see how that will influence organizational cultures and friendships going forward. I can tell you it, it matters a lot. Like I have my own little circle of people who I'm friendly with in the office and people who I'm not so friendly with. Not that I don't like them, but it's just we don't interact enough. And like, for example, I was in New York on Tuesday. had a happy hour for the office because, you know, why not? And uh, I got to meet a few people who I had only seen their faces. Like I, I have seen them a hundred times, but I've only seen their little squares a hundred times. And then I was like, oh, oh, you like you like music tell me about that and it's like you know just like a five minute conversation about music that it would have never happened that would have we would have 
you know, you can make do it for six months like now, or you can do it for a hundred years, I feel. But if, if we had never had that one-on-one space to talk about one thing that only the two of us cared about, that wouldn't have happened. And, and you know, to, to your point, I feel like the only reason why I have good relationships with the, some of my friends at work is because we have had time in person. Like if I hadn't, you know, if, if the rain hadn't caught us like in the middle of the night, like outside of like the, the office and we had to run, like run to the metro stop, like, you know, that wouldn't have happened on, on Zoom. If we hadn't like, you know, left uh, a bar and then gone to a bookstore, then, you know, that wouldn't have happened over Zoom. There's a lot of things that to me are irreplaceable. And so that level of connection, I think it's to me, and I know that the literature might disagree with me, but to me, it just feels very much impossible to attain without an in-person component. I, I think it's going to boil down to what are your expectations? Because like what you mentioned, Marcelo, kind of takes us back to the beginning of this conversation, which was uh, the uh, the pandemic burned us out. But like, was it the work? Were we already exhausted? What was it? I think it exasperated it for one specific reason. And I think that reason is that it took away all of the human interaction elements of work and boiled it down to machine clicking. You answer emails, you do your job, but you don't get those natural human interactions. I know from an academic standpoint, I realized very quickly that I don't like academia for its own sake as much as I did the interactions I had. I loved interacting with uh, interacting with students. I loved interacting with my grad cohort. I loved the conferences where we got to go and present our research and network with other people. And when you had the pandemic, it boils that down to just your work. And then maybe some, some distant interactions like we have going on now. But it strips away or at least reduces everything you just mentioned as the casual experiences that are natural and just happen in the office that bond people together. And like, you know that there's probably one person at work or in your cohort who gets you through the day. And like, you know, like, and I think that that removes a lot of those opportunities for that to happen. So um, I, I, I don't know that the literature disagrees with you, Marcelo, so much as it just depends on how you look at it. Like, I think that it takes a nuanced perspective of what are your expectations? Like if you expect to bond just through physical interactions like that, then you know, you're not going to be very satisfied. But like if we set up, like, let's say like a, my department chair did like a, a trivia uh, day online. Uh, and so like, you know, we couldn't have the potluck in person, but we did that. So like just changing what are your bonding experiences, as long as we find ways to accommodate those virtually, I, I think you're still going to have a strong work culture. It's just going to be different. And it's going to take a lot more effort and a lot more time. I would say another thing is that's in how do we use and utilize the technology we have now? And I as, you know, we think about this even beyond, you know, the pandemic and resurgences of it and possibly more returns to this, but take 10, 15 years in the future and Facebook's metaverse is in quite full force. Well, I mean, think about it. I, I mean, right now we get into work from home and it's logging into Zoom. There's a realistic you know, statement to be said that you get into work and you put on augmented or virtual reality type of uh, headset or glasses and you interact in this completely cyberspace office that doesn't exist except in like this kind of shared virtual reality world. And I know this is actually something that has a lot of engineers really excited and like our people because they can step into these spaces and like create 3D structures, you know, in front of them and then rotate them around and navigate them because they're just making 
taking like pixels and this little virtual reality play box. And so it would be, you know, a boon for artists, but it's also a boon for like a lot of different fields of how this can change. So I think it's also worth noting that our current existence of work from home isn't necessarily where the ability, the technological capabilities of work from home will stop because we'll start seeing entire companies that basically don't have any brick or mortar facility, but they may have hundreds of workers that, you know, kind of go to their office in a VR-esque way. Because, you know, there's a lot of technologies advancing around this to allow for collaboration. Because even as we talk about, you know, working from home, this is also, you know, collaborating from the United States to Germany, to, to Russia, to China, and places, you know, all the way across the other side of the world. These work from home technologies allow for better inter- international collaboration and business workings too as well. And that's something that they uniquely offer as they get better is the ability of these connecting technologies to do that, to connect us to even more people than what our physical location would have ever allowed us to before. And what's the old saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Like if, if we didn't have this need, there would be no reason for that innovation to take place. We wouldn't have had to look at alternatives. So, I mean, I don't know if it <laughs> glass half full uh, pandemic has brought out, if not good things, then new things, I guess time will tell whether they're both new and good. <laughs> Go, moving on, like just dragging along that point of expectations, I feel I am more hopeful. I'm still a little worried, but I'm more fo- hopeful about what if, like Josh said, if we go back into like sort of like quarantine, like like 2020, but again, or 2021, but again, oh, again. please no. <laughs> um, hopefully, no, you're not knocking on wood. Uh, but now that we know what to expect, I hope that things are at least, at least a little bit better. All right. Well, we will be right back with our hot takes. And I hit the right button that time. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll hand it over to Marcelo. This has been a very chill conversation. And we knew it was going to be from the beginning. I would like to co-opt Josh's sort of a hot take about rural communities and, and like specifically the divide between like rural areas that have lower costs of living and higher like new metropolitan areas with like higher costs of living. I feel that I hate it. You know, it will. And I hate it personally because I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a city boy. I really like cities and I really want to stay here. But, you know, we're talking about end of year compensation, salaries, races, whatever. And then I started thinking about, you know, like I get paid moderately well, but I would get paid very well if I just moved somewhere that didn't take like 40% of my like paycheck and like, I don't know, taxes or whatever. And then you have to use another 40% just to pay rent. Like it's not crazy. It's not insane. I have it. I'm very privileged to be able to even consider the option of relocating. But like, I love it here. You know, I love I love the city and, and, and the, the fact that, you know, there's economy. That might be the truest hot take. It's like, you know, the economy is the, the, the true enemy here. It's that, that, that this economy is sort of like forcing me or not forcing me, but at least saying like, hey, you know, like if you just left whatever you are right now, if you were to another place where you probably would be less happy, but you would have more money, then you would just, you know, like that the option is there is nice. But I just feel like that pushes away a lot of what I like about the city in the first place. That is a very personal hot take. I just like, I want to stay here and I want to remain and I hope that I get to stay here. Not that I don't like actively like despise living anywhere else, but it's really nice. And, you know, looking at apartments in New York, at least I hope they get any cheaper. I don't think so though. They will, they will, <laughs> who am I kidding? Okay, okay. Okay, well, fine. You know, that's, I'm not going to hope. All right. So my hot take, I'll start by answering a little teaser uh, that we put out there. Is work from home here to stay? I'm going to say yes. In some capacity or another, I don't think you can close Pandora's box there. I think that now that employees have seen what life is like uh, when they have some of those benefits, I'm not going to say that all of them will opt to work from home, work remotely, but I think there's a significant chunk that it really benefited. So my hot take here is that if you are a manager, 
manager or you own the company, I think that it is very important that you leverage this crossroad that I mentioned earlier. You have the opportunity and the choice to either bring people back. And like I mentioned earlier, at this point, it's probably going to be kicking and screaming for at least some of them. From that Gallup poll, it looked like, what was it, like 10% or something, 25%. Uh, I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but there's a chunk of people who are not going to want to come back. And if you can think about this, even if you're thinking about it from like a pragmatic standpoint, what's your bottom line? Those people who don't want to come back are more than likely going to be the people who are most productive working from home. So why not benefit both yourself and also the employees and, and let them do that? Like, I think that we need to start shifting into how can we harness the power of what is working from home? Because we've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad. I'm also going to give the hot take that I think it's really situational. Like whether or not computer mediated communication is good or bad really boils down to what is the context of that and how is it used? Not so much the technology itself. Work from home itself is not going to be the problem if you think it's problematic. A a good manager should be able to leverage the strengths of that. So for example, work from home poses the benefits of giving employees more autonomy. I can, depending on how you meet those needs, it can also give them more creativity, more responsibility. Leveraging that can be very beneficial, I think, going forward. And I think that will boil down then to how does the manager who's put over them get to enact that? And then there's this last question, which we've talked about, I think is kind of the the biggest issue that's still going to stick around for employees that work from home, the socialization. How do we get people to be and to feel like they are a part of our culture? How do we get them accepted by other members of the organization? And I think that as long as we find ways to integrate them by using the technology and using things like Marcella mentioned, the the hangouts or the happy hours, I think that that can accomplish those goals and just shifting our expectations a little of what does that look like? We don't have to change our expectations of will we enjoy the people we work with, but shifting what does that enjoyment and that bonding look like might help us be able to appreciate and benefit from the work from home aspect. So that's my hot takes. I would agree with Ryan and and say that it's definitely here to stay and it's here to stay in different situational aspects as different technologies evolve and get better and improve the work from home experience. But there's also significant advantages to both employees and employers, um, although we haven't highlighted as many of those. And I guess one of the major benefits that a lot of employers are realizing that if we can run our business, you know, from an online only perspective and we don't need an office, And in the age of the digital era and a service-based economy, we're not a manufacturing economy anymore. We're a service-based economy. So a lot of those jobs are the ones that can be done remotely. Well, if you as a corporation aren't having to lease or, you know, be paying on your building, that's a significant chunk of money that you can be saving because that's going to be property taxes. That's going to be the lease on top, you know, with the taxes. That's going to be, you know, facility and maintenance and cleaning and decals and art and stuff you got to put on the outside side of the building, like there's significant cost to maintaining a brick and mortar facility. And so as businesses realize that their productivity can be maintained while they shift online, um, I think a lot of them will. I think that's what you saw a lot of the bigger companies like Facebook and Google who have a whole bunch of software engineers who don't need to come in and physically touch things realized of like, oh, wait a minute. And that's why Google said, yeah, if you just want to like stay home, then sure. Like we're getting, you know, our work done. So what's, you know, there's no problem here. And I think that's also 
the other thing that, you know, that the business, you know, leaders and managers need to be on, you know, top of is like looking at like how this is, is working. Um, because I do believe offering the employees more autonomy over their job of like when and how they work. I think one of the most incredibly dumb things that we do is this like eight hour block of work of where you're expected for this undivided, you know, eight hours sans your 30 minute lunch break to be perfectly in tune with this task and constantly doing it is like really hard to do for a lot of people. It's really hard for me. Like I'm good for like two or three hours and then I need to go. Uh, you like if you're ever on USM's campus, you'll see me at my desk for two or three hours and then I'm, gonna, I'm going outside. I'm going to go sit in one of the gardens and think or do something else like my phone for 20 or 30 minutes and then I'm going to come, you know, back and answer more emails and, you know, read more things. So the ebb and flow of how to work and giving employees that level of autonomy, again, that's a managerial decision because you can micromanage people uh, very effectively on online. You can see if their little thing is active on Teams. So like you can do, you can do pretty bad things with it. But I think as you know, Ryan pointed out those like people who work differently at different hours, there's night owls, allowing them to meet the work on their own terms can provide them with a lot of benefits. And I think one of the number one gains from work from home is the loss of commute, whether that means they do live in a rural community in where they didn't have to before or if you know just no matter your commute like if you live in Atlanta you have a significant commute because any point in Atlanta is exactly one hour away from any other point in Atlanta because it's Atlanta and so those that time to be given back to employees so they can put it into their hobbies so they can put it into their families so they can put it into their friends I think is valuable because that is just a lot of wasted human time sitting on the road part of the traffic queue to get to work so you know there's a lot of benefits are there beyond you know the less driving and all the other things we could you know tie in here but just having that more time i think will help increase a lot of people's satisfaction because you're not paid for your commute and so if you have a 30 minute 45 minute an hour commute that's basically two hours that you're kind of at work and under kind of the strain of you know going and getting to work that you're not compensated for and i think giving that back to people so that they can have that autonomy we've highlighted so frequently is really beneficial in the long term. So it's here to stay. There'll be a lot of businesses that are purely work from home. And I think as you know, augmented reality and virtual reality technologies expand, we'll see even more um, dramatic and reinventions of this work from home in different ways that we can with engage with each other in digital you know, spaces and spheres as we get more used to that. So it is a little dim and gloom with the loss of socialization. I'm definitely on that. But there's ways that we're always learning and adapting and we'll keep learning and adapting as the, you know, situation requires us to. That's one of our defining traits of being human is that we adapt and we change and we plan better and learn from our mistakes. And um, I think we'll keep doing that here, even in the work from home, you know, situation. We'll find a way as digital as it may be. All right. Well, I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars, although today was not too controversial. So nice, nice chill episode. Uh, we will not be here next Saturday as that is Christmas. So we'll yeah. talk and try to coordinate some schedules for maybe an early recording or maybe we'll just skip it. We'll see. We'll keep you posted. Check out those social medias. But all right, we'll catch you back here next week or the week after. Goodbye for now. <laughs>